So yes, let's yes, welcome yeah. up Pastor Jim. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. All right, all right. Thank you, Corey. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we had a wheelchair um, just <laughs> about uh, three weeks ago or so, and it, and I, I actually brought it. Uh, Restoration provided it, and and I said uh, this, this needs to come every Sunday and. We don't know where it went. So if you, again, but we will, but we know that it, like, uh, I just want to just share my heart that it is important to us to provide <clears throat> for, the, for the needs of the body of Christ. So we will be getting uh, two of them. Uh, we'll buy two this week, but if we'd like to find the one that rolled away. So, <laughs> all right. <clears throat> oh, okay. You, all right. Okay, good, good. That's so great to know. So. All right, so let's pray. Let's ask the Lord to speak to our hearts because uh, we grow when the Holy Spirit speaks to us uh, and, and uh, his, his word, God's word becomes alive in us. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that your word is always anointed and it is living and it is active and, and it changes us and transforms us. It convicts us and it encourages us and uh, it, Lord, shapes our thinking it increases our faith and it makes us, Lord, fulfill the purpose that which you've called us. And so we pray you'd speak to our hearts and change our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Well, we are on a series called Heroes, and I do appreciate uh, Pastor Robin bringing the word last week. Wasn't that great? Uh, it was just so good. Onesimus, Onesimus, we got it, Onesimus. So we'll... <clears throat> Great story. So we're kind of, as we got into the series, we ended up looking at people who are more like unlikely heroes, not the typical ones that you think of, but how God takes ordinary people and does extraordinary things through them. <clears throat> so today we're going to look at Barnabas, but I want to start with a story. A friend of mine uh, a few years ago was in, uh, a Pam, I think it's called uh, Pamblona, Spain, Pamblona, Spain. And uh, he had just turned 50, and he wanted to, to kind of remember that he was uh, his youth, and so he decided to run with the bulls. That's where they have the running with the bulls. And uh, <clears throat> just turned 50, so he got the little white outfit with the red scarf, and um, he had, had no idea what he was doing, but somehow he got into the, the street where the bulls are released. It was a, it's always in July. It was a hot morning. Uh, at eight in the morning is when they shoot a shotgun off and release the bulls. And it's about a half a mile run. You go down one street, you take sort of a, a left at an angle, and then there's a hard 90, and then uh, another few blocks, and then you go into the, the bull ring. And uh, the bull ring holds 19,500 people. So when the gun went off, he was kind of at the front, not the front close to the bulls, but he was at the front of the line uh, away from the bulls. He didn't understand the purpose of, of the race. He thought it was to finish first. So when the gun went off, he took off running. And he ran and ran, cut the corner, came around the other corner. And actually the 90 degrees is a lot of times the bulls slide. That's where they slide because they're running fast. And anyway, but he beat everyone and the, all the bulls into the ring. And he said, I went into the ring, there's 19,500 people, and he's going like this, he's running in a circle, and everybody's cheering, and, and, and they, he just hears chanting and cheering, and, and he looks around, but he's got a feeling something's wrong. He's the only one in there. 
And, and it's a couple of minutes, and then people start showing up. But he, he goes, he doesn't speak Spanish, so he went over to someone, he said, what are they saying? He said, well, they're calling you a coward. And he said, they're saying that you're an Ill illegitimate child and some other things. And he said, I went from this being a hero to a zero. Uh, I mean, I just was, I didn't, and I realized that the goal isn't to run ahead of the bulls, it's to run with the bulls. It's, it's the, the fact that you've, you know, you're in there with them and, and you're facing danger with courage. And he ended up uh, realizing that it, he, he, missed, he missed it. What he thought was going to be a, a great day uh, turned out to be a, kind of a disaster. And then, I mean, he kind of embarrassed himself in front of 19,500 people. But um, what he did was it's so funny because <laughs> when he found out when the bulls did show up, he ran and jumped in front of a bull. <laughs> just to try to redeem himself. But anyway, he said, I jumped in front of a bull for a few seconds and then took off. But uh, said, uh, uh, but when I, I was thinking about that story, that it's, it's, it's not running ahead of the bulls, but it's braving the bulls. And then I thought of Jesus in Psalm 22, and it says that when he hung on the cross, he was surrounded by the bulls, the strong bulls of Basham. The strong bulls of Basham were the, were the religious leaders of the day, the, the rabbis and the, the scribes and the Pharisees. And they had gathered at his feet and they were cursing him and mocking him. And he wasn't running ahead of the bulls. He was right there braving them. He was taking all those insults and those criticisms and those attacks and vile statements towards him on our behalf. And he overcame the enemy on the cross and he overcame all of, their, uh, all of the attacks of the strong bulls by burying our sins and hanging there in weakness, in nakedness, in distress, in pain, and experienced the separation from God the Father so that he could win the race and defeat the enemy and overcome. He died on the cross to empower us. And today we're going to talk about a hero named Barnabas who lived to champion others. Jesus championed us, gave us the victory. Barnabas, he was a hero who championed others. That's, that's what made him a hero is because he helped promote others. He gave to others. He served to others. He encouraged others to come forward and, and fulfill their pl God's plan and purpose for their life. Have you ever had anybody champion you, somebody who believed in you and, and provided opportunity for you and called you forth and, and helped you become uh, all that God has created you and called you to be. Somebody who then hung with you and, and supported you through the difficult times. That's the kind of God we have and, and that's what we're called to do. And Barnabas was, was an example of that, somebody who championed others. So just real quick, <clears throat> what do we know about about Barnabas, because Barnabas is, a, uh, is an interesting character. He's, he's uh, mentioned several places in the scripture. And what we've learned about him is that he was, his birth, at birth his name was Joseph. He was born, uh, he was a Cypriot, he was, he was from uh, Cyprus, uh, the, the island that's kind of uh, south of, of Turkey a little bit and out in the Mediterranean Sea, a little bit uh, east of, of Greece. And because he was such an encourager and, and, a, and a helper of others, uh, he, he got a nickname. That's how he became Barnabas. The apostles actually called him 
Barnabas because of his, that main characteristic. When you're around him, you always were blessed and encouraged and uplifted and strengthened. And, and he would just, he would give you courage. He would give you strength and he would impart that. He was a joyful man, full of faith and, and, and love. And, and so he, he became known as Barnabas. Um, question that I have for each one of us is what, what is your nickname? What would be your nickname? What would you like to be known for? I think that's a cool question because I, I started thinking about it when, it when I found out this was his nickname. I started thinking, you know, what, do, what, what would people know you for? And then I thought it would be really neat to give each other nicknames. Um, well, that, just good nicknames. We do give each other nicknames, but usually it's from a negative standpoint. I, and then some nicknames, I'm not quite sure. Marla calls me Pumpkin. I don't know if that's, I don't know. It's t I don't quite know where that came from. But anyway, I call her Sweetie. But, um, any, but, but what nickname? Think about it. Those, wouldn't it be cool to, to have nicknames that, really spoke life into the other person. Because I'll bet you anything that when they said, here comes the son of encouragement, um, that that actually encouraged Barnabas. That encouraged him to be even more of an encourager. And so let's speak words of life. That's what we can learn right there. But what else do we know about, about him? He was a Levite from uh, Cyprus, uh, he was a generous man. He's the first person in the scripture where it says that he sold a piece of property, uh, probably up on the island uh, where he lived. He sold that property because he wanted to give a big offering to, to the apostles to use at, at the launch of the ministry. They were, the church had just birthed. He most likely was part of the 70. Some people think it's, it's not, we're not for sure from history, but he might've been part of the 70 that Jesus sent out. And so he, he was a part of the team uh, and a follower of Christ and, and he had seen Christ die and, and raise. Uh, and so he was there to serve the church and, and serve his brethren and, and to let people know the gospel, the good news of Christ, that he had saved him and he wanted others to know. So he, he brought this uh, missionary, he, he, was, he was a missionary as well, but he brought this gift to serve and he supported himself and he gave and he was a big giver. You know, it's funny, by the way, in Scripture, just uh, the, the spirit of Christianity is to say what is, what is mine is yours. It's to share. It's to give. Uh, capitalism says what's mine is mine. Socialism says what's yours is mine. <laughs> and Christianity says what's mine is yours, which is a completely different issue. It's got to do with the heart where we give God's blessed us, and we're stewards, and then we give. We give to one another. Well, Lance helping with the flags, he gave today. He gave a gift to all of us. To, if you were new and you were trying to find the place, you, you, the flags helped you in. It also was a gift to Corey because Corey is usually running around, um, and it's just it's, it's hot out there. Uh, it's a gift to all of us because Corey would have been sweating, and we wouldn't have wanted to sit next to him. Um, it's a gift to all of us. But he's okay, yeah. I'm just, I'm joking, but what I'm saying is that we don't understand how just the giving is a part. We need to understand that giving is a part of, of the culture of the kingdom of God. 
just having a giving spirit. It's part of the culture. Well, he also traveled with Paul, the apostle, and uh, he was actually called an apostle, and he was the cousin to John Mark. Uh, so those are just some, a little bit of history about him. But let's talk about his character for just a minute. In Acts 11, 20, uh, Acts 11 verse 23, 24, it says, When he, Barnabas, he's referring to Barnabas, came, so he came up to Antioch, which is where the gospel started to break out and spread among the Gentiles and, and, and the Jews alike up, in the, up to the north of Jerusalem. He came and he, he, he says that he's, uh, and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart that they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith and a great many people were added to the, to the Lord. And that's a, I, I love that. A great many people were added to the Lord. He didn't say added to the church. He said added to the Lord. Now the church grew, the church body, but we, but the way the church body grows is when people are added to the Lord. We want people to know Jesus. When they encounter Jesus and know Jesus, it'll change their lives. So a couple of things I want you to see about him, about his character. First of all, he was expectant. He was full of faith. He, he was looking for the grace of God. Where is God working? So when he showed up at Antioch, he's looking around and he's saying, where is God at work? And he sees the grace of God. What that means is he's, that's the activity of God. He sees people getting set free. He's seeing people get healed. He's seeing people grow in Christ. He's seeing people have the same spirit that he has, sharing and giving and serving. And so he's all excited about that. And then he's glad. This is a guy that carries the joy of the Lord. And that's a mark of maturity, no matter what the situation. You know, we live in a, in, in a kind of messed up culture right now. And, and there's so much that we're getting ready to go into a season of politics. And, you know, it's going to be the same. It's just going to be a rerun of what it always is. And we can complain and gripe. Or we can say, oh, Lord Jesus, we pray that you'll shine bright in our nation. We pray that you'll touch folks, and that they will come to know you as the living God. That's the, that, and, and thank you that we live in peace. We do live in a place of peace where we can gather in a school and worship. And so while we have this day, while we have light with us, let's make that light known to others. And, and so he was full of, of, um, of gladness because he always was living with an expectant heart, what God's going to do next. He was, a, um, and uh, then he wanted to encourage others. I love that the word encourage is from Latin, core is uh, the word for heart. And uh, like, uh, so you get encourage is to give heart to somebody. Have you ever given heart to somebody? You know, particularly I think of sports when you, when you think you're running out of gas and somebody comes along and says, look, let's just give it a, you know, let's leave it all on the court or leave it all on the, on the floor or whatever. Let's go and give it all, give it our best. And, and you find out that there's some other place or some well within you that strengthens you and you can go out and do more than you thought you could, more than your body was telling you to, more than even your mind was telling you to. Something in your heart, because somebody encouraged you, they put heart in you, you rose to a, a new level. And he was full of the Holy Spirit. And I pray that these characteristics will be ours, that we're full of this, of the Spirit of God. We're full, not, not half full, but full. Full means that it means that the Holy Spirit is flowing out of you. His life is flowing out of you. And then full of faith, and he, of course he was fruitful. So those are just some of the characteristics that were part of Barnabas. So Barnabas championed 
lots of people, but I want to focus on the fact that he championed the Apostle Paul. He empowered him. And this is a real key because Paul was at a critical place. And because of Barnabas, Barnabas set him into ministry and really set him on his way at a critical time. The word uh, to champion or to power is, 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 is what we're called to do. It's what God does. And we're going to look at that in just a minute. But Saul, was a, he was a radical, radical rabbi. He, was, he, he, he believed it was his mission from God to destroy the Christian cult. He thought it was a Christian cult. He didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. Um, he, he, so he was on a mission. And he had, he, had, he had killed Christians. He had imprisoned them. And then he was on the road to Damascus. He says, I'm, gonna, I'm going to root out Christianity. He actually, the word there is to wreak havoc in the book of Acts. And it means like a boar who roots out, uh, roots out the, a plant, tears it up and roots and destroys it at the root. He wanted to destroy Christianity at the root. So he was going after leaders. He was, he was going after, uh, he was calling them uh, uh, you know, that th th they had uh, become uh, uh, turned against the true living Jewish God and um, Yahweh. And so they, he was trying to, you know, kill them. So he was on his way to Damascus. He had letters from the high priest and he um, encountered Jesus. And I'm not here to preach that story, but at noonday, he was blinded by the light. Now, if you've ever looked up at the sun for just a few seconds in the noonday, it's pretty bright. And when this presence of the Lord Jesus blinds you from, if the sun looks dark in his presence, he was pretty bright. The sun looked dark in his presence. The glory and the brilliance of, of the presence and, uh, and, and light of the Lord came upon him and he was blind. He gets to Damascus, Ananias is called to empower him and to go over and pray for him. And, and he receives his sight. And, and it, then he preaches and ministers in Damascus for a couple of years. He goes off and studies, has encounters with God for about three, three years. And then when he starts to preach in Damascus, uh, things get stirred up and they decide to kill him. Uh, and, and the disciples got wind of it and they lowered him over the, over the wall in a basket to escape. That's how he began his ministry, by the way. He started being lowered over a wall and running for his life. But he thought for sure when he gets to Jerusalem that they would have heard about his testimony and, and, and his ministry, his, his little bit of his, his ministry up in Damascus, and they would embrace him. And here's what happens when he goes to Jerusalem. So he shows up at Jerusalem and he wants to find the church there. And they don't have Lance to put signs up. So they don't know where, where, where they're meeting. And so he's asking around. He has to be careful, but he's asking, you know, did, did, is there any Christ followers here? Any people who believe Jesus is the Messiah? Where, where do they meet? Where Could you get me in touch with them? And so he's kind of working his way through the city trying to find where these Christians are meeting. And here's what happens. It says in Acts 9, it says, And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples. I mean, and... and Paul was a determined person. Believe me, it doesn't mean that he, he showed up or just knocked on the door. He was really trying to get, a, to, to, to get in with the church. I, no, I don't know where it is. I don't know where it's meeting. I mean, he just got, he, he got 
straight-armed and pushed away. But they were all afraid of him because they knew, word got out who he was and they knew who he was and they didn't believe that he was a disciple. And so they were afraid, they didn't trust him and they didn't believe him. They thought this is all part of his plot. He's, he's kind of, now he's trying to pretend he's one of us. He's gonna identify all of us and have us all killed. But listen to this, this is a but. But Barnabas took him in. That word took him in means he caught him. In the Greek, it actually means he caught him. But Barnabas heard about him. He said, I'm going to go catch that guy. Barnabas was a fisherman. <laughs> Not a literal fisherman, but he was a fisherman in the fact that he said, oh, man, this guy. If this guy can come to Christ, if this guy can meet, meet the Lord, or maybe he has. I mean, wow, what, a, what, a, what, an awesome, what an awesome testimony because my God can do anything. My God can take the craziest person, the, most, the, the biggest enemy of the church, and save him, because that's who my God is. So he was full of faith. He was a man of faith, and, and he caught Paul. He went out and found him and caught him, and then he brought him. He caught him and then brought him. He brought him. He said, you're going with me, and we're going to meet the big guys. We're going to meet Peter and, and all the other apostles and John, and, and, and we're going to meet these guys, and I'm going to declare to them your testimony. And so he must have sat and listened to his testimony. He must have sat and, and heard Paul tell the stories of his encounter with Christ. And he said, oh, that's him? Yeah. And, and your life has changed. And, and so look what it says. It says that he, he declared, this is Barnabas declared to them, to the apostles, how he had seen the Lord on the road and how he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. He brought him. And so what he did was he, gave, he empowered him. He gave him an opportunity. Here's what empowerment means in the Oxford Dictionary. It says, to give someone the authority or power to do something. To make someone stronger or more confident. And so Paul was helped by Barnabas. When Barnabas went to help Paul, he was Saul at the time. He really listened to him. He wasn't afraid. He made a heart connection. And then he was able to bring him and give him an opportunity to make a difference in the world. So let me give you just three components of empowerment that I think is so important. The first is inspiration. Inspiration is, um, is when we, we speak potential. We speak a dream, we speak a vision, we, we, we speak life over someone, and we see the potential in that person. I, I've seen God do that so many times, prophetically over people. And, and I've seen God speak encouragement, or like a father to a son, or a, to a daughter, or a mother, father, mother to a daughter, or to a child, to speak potential, to speak life over them, to say, you know, I don't want you to settle. I want you to, to give everything you can to become what God has called you to be. And then to provide opportunity, opportunity to, to minister, to serve. That's the, the second phase of, or component of, of, um, of helping someone or empowering someone to become all that they, they need to be. In, in a, at the end of the service, we're going to pray over all the children and, and, um, that are getting ready to go to camp. And as, as I was praying earlier, I thought, you know, so often we do that and then the pastors come. And I thought, no, no, we want to empower 
the parents, you guys are going to come up and you're going to pray. And we won't put you on the spot, but we're going to pray over the children because we want you to be empowered and we want the children to be empowered. But empowerment is when we give opportunity and provide open doors and, and then support. Once you, once you empower somebody, then you stay and you support them and, and strengthen them and coach them. And so this is so, so important for the church. It's part of the kingdom culture. Um, why is it hard? It's hard to empower people because, first of all, we get excited when this is really important point here. We, we get excited about who we believe the person is. And then we discover they have flaws. And then we base our future beliefs on the, their past or their flaws. And we shut down. Think about getting married. When you, when you get married, you, you, you just, you're so excited. And, and then you find out that they have flaws. That's what Marla told me. She found out I had flaws. Uh, and, and you find out that they have flaws. There's little things that they do that drive you crazy. You find out that they're not perfect. And, um, and so then you begin then to, to react to that person based on those flaws and, what you, and your expectations become built around those flaws. I had somebody come to me one time for marriage counseling and, and they were telling me all the things that, that they were annoyed at with each other, the husband and wife. And when, I, I got, when, they, when they got finished, I said, why did you get married? Because if this is all the issue, and they said, well, so why don't you tell me, write out 10 things that you, you got married, what you really liked about each other. And by the end of the session, they fell back in love and they were gone, but it was good. It was worked out. But what happened was they were spending 95% of their time on the flaws instead of rejoicing over all the wonderful things. And when you rejoice over the wonderful things, you become, in that environment of love, you become what God has, has created you to be. We release potential. I, I've used this illustration before, but I tell you, crabs are funniest thing. I've gone crab in, in, in the uh, Chesapeake Bay, and you throw out bacon on a string and pull them out. We filled up a trash can full of, uh, of all these crabs. And I said, uh, to the first time I ever did it, I said, do you need to put a lid on? He said, oh, no, no. Anytime a crab gets up, the other ones will pull them back down. And uh, I thought, man, that looks like the church sometimes and like the world and it shouldn't be like that. If they were Christian crabs, they should all get it, help each other escape. You know, you, it, but they're not. And, um, and so you don't have to worry about it. But it's imp we need to be able to pull each other up and not tear each other down. And that's what empowerment does. So we want to inspire, uh, give opportunity, and then support. And, and, and so what we want to do is see people based on how God sees them and the potential in them, not the conduct and the perfection. Can you imagine, think about when raising babies. Well, you know, the first time, gosh, your kid walks about one years old and they, you know, and some of them don't, you know, they might take a few steps and fall. You don't go, okay, this kid, we got, we got a dud. We got one that can't walk. <laughs> this kid will never walk. He can't walk. He's, This is a messed up kid. He cannot walk. And so we're going to have to, I don't know, maybe we have to, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't think he'll ever walk. I've never seen him walk. 
probably will never walk. And you, can, you could really get upset. But what happens is you say, wait a minute now, there's a whole lot of future and potential in this child. And this child is, 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 is right where this child is in part of the growth. It's all normal. And, and I'm expecting them. Not only am I expecting them to, 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 to walk, but I'm expecting them to jump and climb and, and, um, and run fast. And I mean, I, we'll, we're going to watch for the potential. Maybe this child will be an athlete. Maybe they'll, who knows what their potential is. But you begin to dream and have expectancy, ex, expectations that are far beyond what their little problem of learning how to walk. All right, let's create a culture of, of empowerment. I want us as a church to create a culture of empowerment where we really pour into each other and help each other become all that God has for us. There's ministries here that need to be released. So when, when you join to, uh, you know, churches, we, we have ministries, but there's so much more to grow and develop and we want to empower and release and, and reach and bear fruit. I want there to be such a, a, a spirit of, of love and, and empowerment and opportunity for all of us to become what God has called us to be. I, I love listening to Pastor Robin speak. I don't sit there and go, well, gosh, um, uh, you know, I, you know, I should be up there or, or, or uh, I'm missing a turn. I rejoice watching him use his gift and, and I get a day off. No, I'm just kidding. No, but I enjoy, no, but I, I, then I can focus on some other things, but I'm focusing actually on the week off on how can we empower and raise up ministries and, and launch things and reach this community? Um, how do we help marriages? How do we, there's so much need in this world and God wants to use each one of us to make a difference. So I'm excited about that. So let's create a culture of empowerment. So what does that culture look like? It, it prioritizes relationships and heart connections. See the priority is our relationships. I, mean, I, could, I appreciate um, Lauren as she, our worship leader, is that Lauren back there? Yeah, wave, okay. And cause like you see Abby coming, uh, not Abby and um, Aunt Sophie coming forth. When they first started singing, they were 14 years old. And, and now sometimes they're not here cause they're singing in shows and not Broadway yet, but they will be someday probably. But, but they're singing all, they're singing at their schools and different things, but she, she went to uh, Belmont and she has all the voice training and helps them a little bit and with their different things. And, and then what I'm saying is everybody gives and enhances and helps and encourages and, and it's, it's, it's a body thing. And, but it's built on relationships. We, we care about these lives. We care about these lives. It's a heart connection. And then it creates transformation. You know, when you're in an environment of love, how many of you know that you do better? You do better, you flourish in an environment of love. I, I, Charles Simpson, who's my pastor and one of the overseers of the church, you'll get to meet here in just a, in about four weeks when he comes. But um, he told me he preached one, he, he would preach the message and, and the people were just hooping and hollering and shouting. And I mean, he was preaching and going and they were enjoying it and the Lord showed up and it was a mighty move. And because he travels a lot, he was in another location and people were sitting there frowning. And he preached the same message and it was awful. And the more he went, the worse it got. 
And he left and he said, I don't think I'm going back that place. Because there's something about, about being an encourager and, and, and um, creating that environment of empowerment that you actually, we help each other do our best. Um, my goodness, it, we really do help each other. Words matter. Words matter. Uh, words matter. So we need to speak life. Um, when, when my son was little, he, I remember I took him out to, to teach him how to ride a bike. And, you know, he was at that age and some of his friends were riding. And so we went down to Sanderson, uh, Carroll, Carroll Middle School. And I, uh, I ran across, you know, holding the back of the bike and he's pedaling and, and he's athletic, but he just, you know, it takes a while to get through that wobbling thing. And I let go and he fell and he kicked the bike and he said, that's a stupid bike because it was the bike's fault. And uh, this little male ego at age whatever, six, and he kicked, or four or five, I don't know how old he was, but he kicked the bike and said, that's a stupid bike. And I said, son, <laughs> it's not a stupid bike. But what, what, I said, you can do this. And he said, no, I don't want to do it. Well, he didn't think he could do it, so it turned into I don't want to do it. He was ready to give up. I mean, it's the end of bike riding for his life. And that's where he was. That's how deep in depression he was in. And, and so then some boys ran, rode their bikes across. And he said, okay. They rode through the, through the uh, little yard and they were laughing. And he said, okay, teach me, dad, teach me. Because, you know, he wanted to learn. So I ran along with him. But I said, let's say this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now let's say I can ride a bike. He said, I can ride a bike through Christ who strengthens me. And, 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 and he actually, you know, I said, so I put courage in him. I said, you can do this, son. God will help you. God will strengthen you. Call upon him. And so we ran across. I let go. And he took off. And, and he started laughing. And he just, he got it. You know, he had that breakthrough. And then I realized, the only thing I realized was I forgot to tell him how to stop. So <laughs> he did hit a tree. But um, he was so thrilled with the victory that it didn't matter. He got up and kept riding. I can do all things. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. When I tell you that, that's to put courage in you, but it's the truth. It's not fantasy. It's the word of God. And I can stand upon it and say, we can do all things. As a church, we can make a major impact on this city. Wait a minute. We're, are you sure? Yeah. Why? Because with God, all things are possible. And I stand upon that. So why does it matter about having a courage? Why does it matter about having a culture of empowerment and courage and, and, and encouragement? Well, here's why it matters. Because it's the kingdom culture. It's because it's the nature of God. Did you know that Jesus empowered? He empowered his disciples in Mark chapter 3. He said, then he, then he appointed 12. And he appointed them that they might be with him. And that was the first call. And that he might send them out to preach. And to have power to heal the sick and to cast out demons. He called them to be with him. Again, that's the inspiration. Come and be with me. And during that time, he poured his heart into them. He taught them his ways. He, taught, he corrected them when they needed correction. He gave them opportunity to minister. And, and, and they were so thrilled. I believe the first time they laid hands on the sick and they were healed, they were more surprised than the sick person. And they came back rejoicing and said, but this is really awesome. And the Lord says, I know. Now stay humble. Stay humble, but 
there's more things to come. He empowered his disciples. He empowered us. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority, this is after his, his resurrection, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with them always. He says, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So the Lord is with us. We're called to be with him. Let him empower you. Let him open doors for you and step through them in faith and confidence, knowing he will support you. So he empowers us. And so we want to be like him. The other last point that I want to make today is this, is that empowerment is the father's heart. Empowerment's the father's heart. From the very beginning, when God made Adam and Eve, he said, he said, hey, listen, I'm going to put you on this planet. I'm giving you authority. You take dominion. You be fruitful. You multiply. You name the animals. I'm right here with you. You tell me what their names are. And, and I, I, I'm not sure how that went. We don't know a lot about that story, except that the animals prayed it in front of, of, of Adam and he, he made names for them. I don't know if he said giraffe and, and hippopotamus and all the, you know, I think he started running out of creativity when he got to bluebirds and, you know, he couldn't think of a name for it. He says, you're uh, blue, bluebird, uh, you know, he just, but did he also name them? You're, you're, I wonder if he, <laughs> If he said, you know, to the horse, your trigger and a horse, did he give him personal names? We don't know. But he, he named him. He had dominion. God partnered with man. God empowers us. It's the Father's heart. And I think probably the New Testament story that explains the Father's heart is in Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal that we know so well. And it's the one where he got his inheritance and he went off with, with wasteful frivolous living, he blew it and you know, really, really blew his inheritance. And then he decided that if he came home, he'd be better off as a slave in his father's house. So he came in rags and, and hungry, broken, disappointed, ashamed, fearful. He had rehearsed, oh, when I get to my dad's, I'm gonna apologize, I'm gonna apologize. I'm going to apologize. I'm going to tell my dad, I am so sorry. I broke your heart. I sinned against you. I'm, I'm so sorry that, that I was foolish and wasteful and I'm ashamed of myself. I didn't listen and I rebelled. And, and so he was rehearsing. I'm going to say, Lord, I'm willing, Father, I'm willing just to be a servant, just a servant. I, I just, I'll be better off if I could just serve. Do you know what? You talk about empowerment, the Father. The father focused on the heart connection, not his poor behavior. Father didn't even say anything about that. He knew the son knew. He didn't need to even bring that up, but he ran. He ran and had that heart connection. He embraced his son. He said, man, you were lost, but now you're found. You're home now. This is your home. That, that's not you. That's not what you're called to. You're called be a son and he embraced him and he kissed him and, and he rejoiced and they connected in the heart he gave him a ring which means he gave him authority as a son you have authority in my home he believed in his son more than his son believed in himself have you ever had someone believe in you more than you believed in yourself 
I'll tell you, it inspires you. They see something that you don't see. This son, all he could see was his disaster. But the father, the father could see the potential. Some suggestions you might say to somebody is, I am proud of you for, and then fill in the blank. I'm so proud of you. Try to speak over your, you know, speak over one another. I'm so proud of you. I, I, I'm so glad that you're my son or daughter. I'm so glad you're my wife. I'm so glad you're my husband. I really admire you for, and fill in the blank. I, I'm committed to helping you reach your dreams, your desires. When somebody believes in you, it's the heart of the Father being expressed to you. So what is the Holy Spirit saying to you today? Will you commit to being a Barnabas, to creating a, a church where people are empowered, to reach their potential for his glory and make a difference? Let's become each other's champions and make a difference in this community.